right, uh, welcome back everybody to the Murder Library. I am Megan. I'm Zach. I'm Enrique. I'm Cheeky. Um, so this week we don't really have much to talk about and I don't really have the same kind of intro like we did last week or past few times because the crime that happened that I'm going to talk about, the only account that we have is from a guy who spent most of his life in and out of mental hospitals and has been diagnosed with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and a bunch of other stuff. So, I don't know how much I truly believe, so I don't want to... don't really have a true account on what happened, so we're not going to do that this week. Okay. Um, so, the murder itself happened December 8th, 2001. So... Pretty recent. Pretty recent-ish. Yeah. <laughs> 19 years ago. I think I was back in the States at that time. I was. I never left. <laughs> Where else would you be? Guam. Oh. Yeah, I think we had like just moved back to the States from Guam. Um, but we're going to start the story on September 4th, 2001. So just a couple months earlier. So we're going to introduce a guy named Kyle Hol- Holbert. Holbert. Um, okay. he is kind of a bizarre person he's kind of out there kind of weird and honestly i'm kind of shocked that i had never heard about this case before i mean just his name is kyle you already know he's been that time it's always a kyle it's always a kyle um so he is 18 at the time of our story he is on psychiatric medications he claims to hear voices in his head and these characters tell him what to do Uh but he doesn't always listen to them (laughs) well that's good yeah (laughs) (laughs) he has been in and out of mental institutions since he was six years old damn he's a six-year-old to a mental institution well (laughs) not exactly all there his father gave up custody of him when he was just 12 um, but he did, like, keep in contact with him and, like, checked on him and stuff. He just couldn't handle Kyle anymore. Mm. He was put into foster homes since kindergarten. Um, he would find a home, start to like it, and the family, but then something would happen. He'd be sent off to another home, so this left him with abandonment issues on top of everything else. Um, he has been institutionalized a total of seven times. Um... He's diagnosed, as I said, with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So, September 4th, he's being released from psychiatric psychiatric care and is being emancipated. The state didn't think that he should be released. Neither did his father, who said, quote, you let Kyle out and he's going to kill someone. Which, spoiler, he does just four months later. Um, But the judge decides to let him out into the world so he was told upon release that he had to have a plan set in motion like he had to have a plan of what he was going to do his plan was to get somebody no <laughs> was to find a girl he could quote fuck senseless and anything after that he would just roll with so that that wasn't a red flag nope orange. <laughs> it's fine. total orange just an orange flag so, before his release and, like, before he had been institutionalized that last time, he had been fired from every single job he ever had. 
Um, so he knew that finding a job was going to be particularly hard, um, especially considering he had visions. These visions were of this apocalyptic world, and it was very real to him, just like having this conversation with you guys is real. Like, he would suddenly see these things, and that would be his new reality. Um, and to this day, he has troubles distinguishing what was real and what wasn't in his head. Damn, that sucks. Um, and all of his visions and everything started around five years old. So that's why at six he was first institutionalized. Um, little fun tidbit, he also has a pet dragon that goes with him everywhere. Oh. He can describe it like he can describe a pet cat. I wish I had a, I wish I knew what the description was, but I don't have that. Is it like Pete's dragon? I don't know. <laughs> Um, all of this was part of the psychosis that he had. Um, neat. <laughs> he knew that from a young age that he had to keep all of this stuff to himself. Um, he wasn't scared of any of it, but he knew that, like, if he told other people that, you know, he, he'd be sent off he's again. He's cognizant enough to realize that like, it wasn't the norm. Yeah. Um, because isn't he at an age where, like, it's normal for kids to have, like, imaginary friends? Yeah. 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 Like, that, that's what I was thinking, like five started having visions like how much do they actually know was a vision or was a kid telling a story because it unfortunately it could be that situation but yeah now in the teen years that's not so much yeah Yeah, not so much yeah and he still has them like well i don't think he has them anymore because now he's in jail and has his medications Mm -hmm. um because they gave him medications upon release but um, it was his job to keep up with getting them refilled and everything, but yeah, he does not. Money. Yeah. Um, so for that first month after his release, he did not do a whole lot, but he does end up getting a girlfriend. Um, sometime in late September, he's hanging out with a friend who then asks Kyle to hang out with his girlfriend, his friend's girlfriend, because her ex was having, like, he was causing troubles. So his friend wanted him to have somebody there with her in case this ex showed up to protect him. So Kyle brings protection with him. He has... His pet dragon. <laughs> he always has his pet dragon. He's the but he also, <laughs> he also always has something with him practically everywhere else he goes. A 27-inch ninja-style sword. I mean, that's, that's understandable. Does he just clip it on his belt? He kind of has it slung on his back or he'll uh, have it clipped to his belt. Either one. He also had with him a nightstick, like a police baton stick thing, like oh, a beating man. stick. I was going a different way. Like, I was thinking, like, Merlin, like, staff, like, dude's just ready for battle. I mean, he is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. He has a fucking ninja sword. And a pet dragon. And a pet dragon. And a pet dragon. Um, so great, great, great grandson. He, he said that he brought these things because he was thin and scrawny and that he wouldn't do well in a fist-to-fist combat fight um but he pretty much said that he was willing to do anything if he had to including kill this guy if he had to so god for somebody else's girlfriend for somebody else's girlfriend but nothing happened they hung out they ate pizza he ended up falling asleep on the couch um the guy never showed up so it was fine uh but he ended up crashing on that couple's couch through october um he ended up leaving because he felt like he overstayed his visit. Duh. A little bit. A little bit. Um, he also had a tent that he would pitch in the woods of areas around his friends, 
like apartments or houses or whatever or, or like just in areas he knew he wouldn't be bothered so he just he was homeless <laughs> um they had so something was, going on yeah yeah <laughs> so october 2001 he is invited to attend a renaissance fair which he of course accepts he found the whole like renaissance era fascinating he liked anything that dealt with fantasy um yeah. How would his ninja sword fit into the Renaissance fair? Just I mean, wait, did just wait to... till you hear what he wore. Did he switch weapons? I'm curious. I mean, no, honestly, he did it's not. around he that. Had, he had his ninja sword on him. He, he could debate that it is technically around that time, just a different part of the world. Yeah. Just wait so. till you hear what he wears. Oh. So this fair, it's in Maryland, um, which is just outside D.C. Um like the where it at where it's at is just outside of the DC area and he resides in Leesburg, Virginia, which is also just outside DC. So it's that <laughs> upper Virginia area. Yeah. Um and this festival is still going on to this day. It runs through August to October. This year it is virtual. I Googled it. I was interested. Just <laughs> <laughs> a vir- virtual Renaissance Fair. It's just all the all the concessions and stuff is online, so you can like visit these people's shops and stuff. Oh, you know, okay, it's the twenty first cool. century. So yeah. like that's that's they have online shops and stuff. Yeah, yeah like it's pretty my wares, uh <laughs> <laughs> has many wares. Um Kyle was looking forward to it. He was interested in anything fantasy, he loved role play games. Um, he was super into Dungeons and Dragons, plus Same. this was a chance for him to dress up and just be someone else and escape his mind. So what does he go as? Knight? A mage? King? Nope. He wears a latex cat mask that covered the top half of his face. His face was painted black. Uh, and he had his ninja sword. <laughs> All I'm thinking is Halle Berry in Catwoman. <laughs> Same uh, outfit. I wish I wish there was a photo sword. just so I could like have this image in my head, but like latex cat mask. <laughs> I feel like if we look up Halle Berry's costume in Catwoman, I just want to know how much like, tight the cat mask was. Like, was it one of those weird like? So, I watched a documentary on this, like a like a um, I believe it was the show Snapped. Yeah. Um. And they showed this guy at a renaissance fair. Like, it was an actor. It wasn't this actual guy. And he had on, like, it wasn't, it didn't look like anything like what it's described as being. It literally was like somebody cut out a cat shape out of a paper plate and tied it on with strings. (laughs) (laughs) So that's That's one way to do it. Yeah. It must have been, like, so hot. (laughs) Not, like, physically attractive, not by any means, but, like. Just hot. With the latex, yeah. yeah. Especially in October. Ugh. Um, he said that he got lots of looks from the ladies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they probably thought, oh, I have that same outfit. I wore it last Halloween. Those eyebrows are raised in shock. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he had said that since he had been bounced around from foster home to foster home, that he craved that attention. So seeing these women, like be like hey apparently in his head anyway um he was loving it he was thriving with this attention um his girlfriend was not there at the festival but he was there with a different group of friends the same friends that invited him um he enjoyed being able to be somebody else um because he was constantly uncomfortable in his own skin and in his own mind and so being able to actively role play like these things that were in his head in an era that it like pertained to, I was 
a good outlet for him. He felt he was excited about it. He was enjoying it. He was having fun. It was a kind of safe haven for him. Um, and at one point during the fair, he walks up to a booth where a pretty girl was working. Uh, he starts to flirt with her. They chat. Ooh, la, la. <laughs> she tells him her name. Um, and I read this book on the story, and um, in it, she's referred as Brandy. This is not her real name. She does not want it out there, so we'll also refer to her as Brandy. So he meets Brandy. They exchange numbers. Um, she tells him to, like, hey, hit me up. We'll hang out sometime. And he lets her get back to work. And he heads to the weapons station. Um, like, the weapons tent. Where he, him and his friends had agreed to meet up there. Um, but they weren't there. But he was like, that's fine. Like, I'm super into weapons. So I'll just peruse. Um, he had a collection of swords. So it wasn't just his ninja sword. But that was the one he always had on him. He also collected knives. Um, he claimed to be an expert at handling them. But he also rarely went anywhere without his ninja sword, as I said. And it is said that he kept it as sharp as a razor blade. Oh. Because... Why not? I wonder if you um, walk into stores with that. Probably. It comes up. <laughs> we'll oh. get to it. <laughs> okay. <All right. laughs> um, he referred to the weapon as a natural extension of himself. Um, he kind of had a Zoro look to him. Oh. Not gonna lie, like his, cause there's pictures of him, and he kind of has that look to him. Like he's. Yes, he was one cape away from. Pretty much. He wore, like, he constantly wears trench coats and, like... Oh. I mean, he, he was kind of like Zoro, but without, like, looking, without looking like Antonio Banderas, without the hot accent, and without... The nerdy version. Yeah. So, Enrique, but light. And, <laughs> and without the beard. Yeah. And just, like, sprinkle the mental instability. Yeah. 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 Just add, add a dash of that. Yeah. <laughs> Some actual Zorro space. (laughs) So at this time at the fair, he would describe himself as a Wiccan, but he does later stop referring to himself as Wiccan because he doesn't want to be a hypocrite because among all of his stuff in his life, he just refuses to be a hypocrite. Oh. Um, He he does use the word pagan though. Um, Like there's this whole thing on like his view of who he is like this there was like a whole chapter on it and i'm like i'm not (laughs) (laughs) um he also just another fun little tidbit he liked to play the game magic the card game Mm -hmm. yeah um we dabbled in that a little bit if he was not all about murdering people he seemed like he'd be a fine person to hang out with just standard nerd yeah he sounds like he could be like a character in big bang theory that's yeah, right. he totally could have. He could be like another Howard or another Raj. Just kind of like a punk emo version of one. Mm-hmm. But who wears latex? <laughs> who wears latex? Hey, so, every nerd has their kink. <laughs> um, so walking around this tent, he, um, he had a kind of sort of spring in his step because he just got a girl's number. He kept getting compliments on his costume. Um, he said that girls would kind of come up to him to pet him behind the ear. And he said laughing, quote... I'm ready and willing to purr. Oh. And <laughs> I'm going to use that on you later Please do not. <laughs> purr. 
He literally I, said that. Do you have any idea how weird you have to be to stand out in a renaissance fair? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take into consideration how. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a nice little weird, man. Yep. So, he, not seeing his friends, he does spot this other girl. She's kind of short. He decides that he's going to play into this cat character that he is. He decides he's going to kind of sneak up on her. And he's <laughs> kind of. He oh. said that the um, shop owner kind of like made eye contact with him because he was talking to this girl, and he, Kyle says that he kind of played along. He kept the girl's attention, so that Kyle could come up and be right behind her. And then the shop owner was like, "Hey, meet my friend," and pointed behind her. So when she turned around, she was face to face with this latex cat mask. She screams. Um, obviously. Obviously. Her friends all rush over to check out what's happening. Um, all the while, Kyle is laughing and apologizing to this girl. I feel like standing that close to him, his breath probably smelled like stale Fritos. Stale Fritos and Mountain Dew. Stale Fritos. Stale Fritos and Mountain Dew, yes. <laughs> or like Monster Energy Drink, because yep. it's a Kyle, yes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so this is how he meets um, a guy named Mike Full, Katie Inglis, and Clara Schwartz. They're all going to kind of become his new group. They're all going to become friends. Um, this girl that he scared is part of this group, but she's not a part of the story. She didn't want any part of it. Um, she barely hung out with them anyway, so. She just was his way of being introduced to these people. Gotcha. So, apparently he so had... <laughs> he had met Clara apparently earlier that day, um, but they didn't, like, introduce themselves. She yeah. had just apparently complimented his costume. So when she sees that it's Kyle, this person that she had seen earlier, she then turns to her group in reference to him as like, hey, meet Kyle, he's an assassin. That's her way of introducing him. She oh. used this word because he had his sword strapped to his back, and plus all of her friends were super into role-playing and all this other stuff, which we'll get into a little bit later. Some LARPing probably yeah. went on. He, he's an assassin? Does he just like kill women's sex drives? <laughs> Not the way he tells it. Kind of spicy drink you drinking over here. <laughs> it's the, the mango TV static I'm drinking. He's drier than Ben Sapiro's wife. <laughs> um, so Kyle says that he clearly could tell that they were role playing, the way she introduced him and everything, and he was like, "I loved it. I loved the atmosphere. They were staying in character, being at the Renaissance Fair." So him and Claire kind of share a moment here where they kind of like connect, not romantically, just kind of on an emotional level of like two as much as assassins. Two can. two psychos kind of meet minds meeting. It's kind of like James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> In a cat mask. Yeah. Claire Claire says that she kind of feels like her and Kyle were kind of destined to meet. Um That's and you'll so you'll find out why later. Um, so Clara, she is in a long gray cloak, um, that is over top of her everyday clothes. She obviously did not put a whole lot of effort. She did not paint her face black like he did. <laughs> she had a long wooden staff, kind of like a Gandalf staff. Um, Kyle described her of having this kind of magnetic quality to her that, like, she just kind of drew people in. So, that people <laughs> That people went to her for Maybe kind of guidance. Uh... Um, he describes Mike as looking kind of unkept. He had a mustache that wasn't fully grown in. 
a kind of goatee. He had thick, dark eyebrows and long, kind of like hippie hair. Kyle describes him as kind of like a 1970s rocker look. It's kind of like the the white trash looking guy you see at every gas station. Kind of, yeah. 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 <laughs> and if you, like, if you saw a picture of him, you would be like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Blind uh, bad boys. <laughs> so Katie had wide brown eyes. She looked like she was kind of whacked out on drugs. We don't know if she was or not. She wore large round glasses. She had straight, flat, blonde hair. Um, Kyle said that if you like told him that she was 14 he'd believe it if you told him that she was 20 he would also believe it just because she kind of had one of those like one of those faces faces. yeah Um, he said that he felt like he found his people out of like he found his group in these three Um, Mike he had a troubling past kind of like Kyle in December of 2000, he cut himself on purpose so bad on the arms, chest, and stomach that a friend found him and had to get him help. Um, and then weeks later, he tried to swallow an entire bottle of pills, but his mom interrupted him and ended up putting him in a mental hospital. Um, they were actually tons. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly, Allegedly. tons. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Mike later says that he liked Kyle's kind of assertiveness um his like outgoing attitude and everything because this group was a full of introverted quiet nobody wanted to take the lead so Kyle kind of ended up thrust into this like leadership role of this group even though he was the youngest and mentally unstable um Mike also worked at Walmart he was dating Katie and he had a black Honda Civic that he loved and adored um was he the greeter or the frozen food section? I have no idea. Probably frozen food. Um, Kyle described this group as kind of dark and gloomy and just sad. He used the word emo, but then said that after getting to know him, that the word vampire covered it better. Even though that had literally nothing to do with any of it. None of them had anything to do with like vampirism. They were all just really pale. Pretty much. <laughs> They like to be inside playing. Shine bright like a diamond. Um, <laughs> Kyle did not tell his new friends right away about his voices or visions. He kind of wanted to ease into that. You can't like just meet a bunch of new people and be like, hey, I hear voices. I see a dragon. And I have a dragon. <laughs> and I mean it. Um, so Katie really liked Kyle right away. So much so that um, at one point the two kind of broke off to like talk and like, Get to know each other. She asked him what he was into. He tells her Dungeons and Dragons. She responds to this by asking if he, quote, wanted to check out her regimentality. Um, she then took his hand and put it under her dress, <laughs> showing him that she was not wearing any underwear. <gasps> hey. They start making out while he fingers her right there at the fair. Does he have a girlfriend? Don't worry about it. They both have relationships. Oh, that city is what they have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle said that he did not learn that she was Mike's girlfriend until days later. So at the time he thought it was just this chick. But also he has a girlfriend, so still yeah. not in the clear, dude. Yeah. Um, Kyle never told Mike what had happened, but um, he said that if even if he did, Mike probably wouldn't have cared because... Apparently, he told Kyle at one point that she could do whatever. He didn't own her. Um, 
That's always... Is that open relationship at that, that Either that or that was like just that type of response. Like, well, uh, Two she, she can do whatever the fuck she wants. No, no, my problem. But inside he's mad. like, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> Angry masculinity. Yeah. Um, so sometime after kind of getting comfortable with the group, Kyle drops a bombshell on them. He tells them that he is a real life blood drinking, night prowling Twilight vampire. They're all very fascinated by this, and he kind of loved the attention that he was getting from it. He is a class A, like, narcissist. He loves himself. Um, He later tells him how he would go to clubs alone to search for donors, women to trade blood and sex. Um, And we'll get more into the club stuff a little bit later, because that does come back. Um, So... Clara, she was a quiet person. She was sure of herself. She was self-reliant. She's described as having a intense stare as well, which she kind of does. Like you see pictures of her and she kind of has like almost like buggy eyes. Like you don't want to look at this girl too long. <laughs> um she's also described as, and this is not my description, she's described as frumpy, chubby cheeked, clear, chalky skin. Huh. Like you can see like the veins on her forehead. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Perhaps. In the pictures, no, but they're all, you know, from the 2000s, so not the best pictures, so who knows. Um, she also came across as very depressed, but that was kind of a complicated situation, which we'll dive into a little bit more in the story. Um, she just wanted to have attention. Um, she wanted to have people feel sorry for her. She said her life was like she was, quote, living in a hellhole. At this time, she lived on campus at James Madison University, which is in Harrisonburg, Virginia. She was a sophomore, and apparently JMU is not easy to get into. And in 2001, um, tuition was about 25000 a year, so expensive, too. That's like half my salary. <laughs> Damn. Like, we... Was it that in-state or out-of-state? In-state. Because yeah. she lives in Le- Leesburg. Yeah. Dude, for in-state tuition, 25 grand, that's a shit ton of money. Yeah. My college was um, about that, but it was I was also out-of-state. But Yeah, I paid like 20 Oh, wait, no, mine was 40. Mine was a special college then, so. Yeah, I paid like 20 grand for a state school, but I was out-of-state. If you were in-state, it was like 8 grand. So twenty five thousand dollars for in state tuition is a shit ton of money in two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. Um, she claimed that she had no prospects for life. Um, She's a sophomore. Nobody does. Nobody does. No sophomore has prospects. Um, and when she wasn't living on campus, she lived with her father, Doctor Robert, who goes by Bob sometimes. Schwartz. He is a respected DNA biophysicist. He's oh, a researcher. Fancy. He's a scientist. He is nationally renowned for his work on DNA. And in 1992, he helped found the Virginia Biotechnology Association. So super smart, super great guy. Um, he had a wife named Joan. Um, and together they had three children, Michelle, Jesse, and Clara. Jesse was a boy. <coughs> um... Clara had made it very clear that she did not get along with her father, that she hated him with a deep passion. Clara blames her mother's death for the moment that her life started to spiral downward. Her mother died a few years prior, I think, when she was like 16. Um, 
14 or 16, I can't remember, but she claims like that was the moment her life spiraled downward. But yet, according to Michelle, her sister, it was Clara that actually found her. Um, everyone in the house had left for the day, and instead of getting help or calling anyone, Clara just made herself lunch for the day and went to school, leaving the body for her father to find. She Fuck. had no, she had no, like, emotional reaction to it, that, nothing. Please tell me that they got her therapy after that, because that's they not did a not. response. She never got put into therapy. Oh, wow. Okay. If she did, Talk probably a good, up. this story probably would not have happened if she had gotten therapy. So, when she was in 10th grade, 1998, she wrote in a journal, I quote, I wonder sometimes if life's this easy and I'm this smart, why do I want to die so much? End quote. Um, she was very smart. Um, she claims that she had an IQ of 196. Average is 98. A very small fraction of people have an IQ above 130. Like, very small fraction. The I looked it up. The odds of a person having 196 IQ is 1 in almost 13 billion people. So, like, there's no... There's no chance that this girl, this 10th grader, has 196 IQ. She... At that point, you'd have to literally be spiraling out of control mentally by 20. Yeah. Yeah. She, um... She's very introverted. She claimed her father constantly yelled at her. She was severely bullied in high school. She even tried to commit suicide a few times in her life. But these were half-hearted attempts. She would use a dull knife that didn't even really make a scratch. She would swallow way too little of something so it wouldn't actually do anything. She just did this in front of people so that way she could get attention. Um, she, so they were basically cries for help. Yes. Yeah. She never did anything that would actually harm her or kill her. Like, she never got hospitalized. Not Like, nothing. Like, just, just wanted to make it show. look like. Yeah, she yeah. just wanted to look like she was trying. Um, her family lived, as I said, outside of Leesburg, Virginia, for more than six decades um, in this one house. Oh, wow. It was kind of a family house. Oh, I the, the, Probably, Confirmed. it looks, it, I've seen pictures of this house, it looks like it would be haunted. I want, I want it. Like it looks, it looks great. Like it might kill me, let's move in. in. It looks fantastic. We're not moving into a haunted it's house. It's a farm, like no. it's a farmhouse, they have horses. I don't care. It's not confirmed haunted at that point. We're, we're an older farmhouse family estate, In Leesburg, probably. where there's a bunch of battles and stuff, We too. can visit. We're not moving to it. Um, it was secluded, creepy-looking. Haunted. Uh, haunted. <laughs> it was part of Claire's mother's side of the family, so this was her family's house. But when her mother died, it was just her and her dad and her siblings who lived there. Um, they had several horses. Um, her family had a history of neglect, too. Her aunt had been told that, like, Claire's aunt, when she was little, had been told that Joan, Claire's mom, so her sister, that um, her aunt was prettier than Joan, but Joan was smarter and brains go farther. So it doesn't mess with your self-esteem at all? Nope. <laughs> um, another instance of family neglect was when Claire's uncle was eight. He got lost in the woods just outside of the house. He ended up sleeping under a tree that night and then found his way home the next day to find out that nobody knew he was missing. Oh, my God. Damn. <laughs> Eight-year-old boy. Oh. So, That's back at... Th- at 
Yeah, so this family has troubles. And From the get-go. Really. Yeah. So she kind of did not have a very good outlook. Like, things were not going to go well for her, especially since she did not get therapy. So, back at the run fair. Um, Patrick House, Claire's boyfriend, was also there. He talked often about spellcasting. He talked about that once he killed 13 people that were trying to kill him. And this was all part of the role-playing game. This was not like he was admitting to anything. This was just, oh, I did this. Kind of like how you talk with yeah, yeah. D&D and stuff. So, or wow. Yeah. So it was just like, hey, this thing. Like, he'd love to talk about this big thing that he did in the role-playing game. Um, sometime during the summer of 2001, Patrick had apparently told Mike, quote, I want to kill Clara's father because she had told him about some abuse that her father did to her, including mental, mental, (laughs) mental, physical, and sexual, which we will touch on that later. Mental is the combination of all three. Mental. Um, so Kyle felt like he had a great day that day. He met a new group of friends. Um, which having this new group of (laughs) (laughs) He's got his fingers wet. Um, having a bunch of new friends meant more couches to crash on as well. And he got a girl's number and a bunch of compliments on his lovely cat costume. Disregard his girlfriend though. Disregard this girlfriend. Like we literally never hear about her again. Um so obviously she was not that serious. Kyle and the group, they exchanged phone numbers, email addresses, and instant messaging tags. Because, again, this was 2001. Instant messaging was the thing. Um, Sounds like Yahoo Messenger, really. Probably. Um, Claire saw something in Kyle that she could kind of use to her advantage. Um, She is known as kind of later being a major manipulator. So she kind of saw somebody that she could take and mold and force like get him to do something without him thinking realizing that she was doing it um so sometime in mid-september right before the fair um katie clara and patrick they all had birthdays to celebrate so they went to applebee's mike drove them clara and katie had just turned 19 patrick was about to turn 19 they all ordered steaks and it was great double date between mike katie patrick and clara so nice that Claire kept asking Patrick several times throughout the night when he would finally kill her father. <laughs> Patrick later says that he only ever agreed to this because he wanted to appease Clara, but he never intended to do anything. Plus, part of him also thought this was just a part of their role-playing game. Yeah. Um, so this role-playing game was something that Clara had created called Underworld. Like, she would always refer to it as Underworld. Um... And in it, Clara hated all Christians. She felt that they were going to take over the world and that Clara was planning a war where her and all her warriors would revolt. This war would start when Clara, the leader, died and then Katie would lead. Um, She had a very interesting take on Christianity just in the real world as it is. Um, One weekend, she was forced to attend church with her family. and She burst into flames. (laughs) no (laughs) um she said that um she wrote down in her journal that all of jesus's disciples were just extreme followers that they were vampires and cannibals for drinking his blood and eating his flesh during communion she also wrote that judas was the cool one 
And <laughs> right after that, she turned to the occult and Satanism for acceptance. Huh. So, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. at Applebee's, the waitress brings out the steaks. I'd be one concerned ass waitress at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Claire, like, because they're all talking about this. Like, they're, like, at dinner, they're all talking about, like, this role-playing game, like, having, like, conversations like they're at. So people the, are coming up to this table or around this table <laughs> thinking it's a weird conversation. That's, right. that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. the waitress, I'd be, if I was a waitress, I'd be a little concerned. But my, my question is, since they're vampires, how rare None of them are vampires steak? except for Kyle. None of them are, just if, Kyle. If they <laughs> yeah. you want your like, steak, just bring it out. Yeah. yeah. So, it actually comes up. Claire's steak is rare. She demanded it be brought back and redone. She kind of felt entitled, like the world owed her because she went through so much trauma in her life. And how dare she be served a rare steak? Jesus. fucking Applebee's. Just get some. Exactly. So. Rare steak. Rare steak's nice. For you. So the waitress (laughs) comes back out with the steak. It's rare again. So she finally gets a third one. She stands there, waits for her to bite into it. Claire bites into it. Bits it out in disgust. The waitress at this point just gives up and leaves. Um, Clara pushed the steak towards Patrick, told him to taste it. He took a bite, said, quote, something's nasty, nasty, something's wrong with it. I think it's a drug specifically targeted to assassins. Everything was about role-playing game with them, so. Um, Clara agreed. She said that she thinks it had been poisoned. Mike then tries it. He doesn't think there's anything wrong with it, but he doesn't say anything. Clara then said, quote, what I need to find out is how my father got in touch with this cook and was able to pull it off. She felt like her father was trying to kill her. This comes up multiple times in her life. Comes up multiple times in the story. So they finished eating. Clara never touched her steak again. And then they plan to go across the street for dessert because she didn't want to eat there anymore. They go to, they're on their way to TGI Fridays. <laughs> um... As they walk, Clara asks Patrick again when he planned to kill her father. He just responds that he will when the time is right. He was just kind of hoping that she would give up, forget about it, or like maybe she was just kidding. So a week after that Renaissance Fair, Mike and Kyle had kind of become best friends. They hung out often. Kyle calls him to hang out at one point, and while on the phone, Mike tells Kyle that Clara had a weapons catalog, that she was fascinated with knives and had picked out some, that she was planning to buy for Patrick. Uh, One night later on, Clara tells Kyle something. She tells him that, you know, September 11th, the thing that kind of just happened, because this was 2001, uh, she did it. She told him, quote, I have a list of the chemicals used in making the planes crash. Lord Chaos may have been responsible. Lord Chaos was her character in Underworld, in her, like, RPG game. So, she's stable. (laughs) I mean, kind of sidebar. The coochie must be quality for her boyfriend to put up with this kind of craziness. <laughs> Usually the yeah. ratio. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jesus Christ. Okay, continue. Um, she also started telling Kyle that just after, like, just days after meeting this guy, she starts telling him about her home life. She would take any chance that she could to tell him how awful her father was. Again, attention. 
They're both just yes. attention seekers, fueling each the other. Yeah. Storm. Boy, yeah, they feel all right. Um, one day while hanging out, Mike and Katie they start having sex in front of them, which was apparently a thing that they did. Um, so Claire and Kyle they kind of walk out because you know why stay? It's weird. Um. Oh, one normal thing so far. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So they leave to walk and, like, hang out and, like, get to know each other some more. She told him about her family, siblings included, that, like, they all blamed her for her mother's death. Um, she, are we 100% sure she didn't kill it? It was cancer. Oh. Oh. I can't remember what kind, but it was some sort of cancer. Like, she developed a cough, and then within that same year, she, like, died. So. Damn. Yeah, that's nice. Um. With the medical history of the death? Come on. <laughs> they, um, she also told him that she preferred to stay on campus than go home. She told him that, she told him of all the abuse that she has and, like, apparently this, like, really appalled Kyle. He kind of, like, felt for her. He related to her. He was never abused, but he never had a good childhood either, so it kind of, like, gave them something to connect with. Um... Kyle was a diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic who suffered from delusions of grandeur and had severe slash animated slash genuine to him visions and hallucinations. Clara, on the other hand, was a spoiled, smart, rich girl with an overbearing father with emotional, physical abuse, if we choose to believe her. Um, so it's just great friendship. This is going to be great. This yep. great Perfect for both. <laughs> Did you ever say his pet dragon's name? No. 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 Arthur. 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 (laughs) Well, Clara and Kyle would take their walks while Mike and Katie had sex. They would hold hands. She was kind of trying to make him think that she was into him sexually and emotionally, but she was just trying to, like, use him to her advantage. Like, she wanted to take him and, like, use him. She had plans for him, but, um, so she needed to keep him interested. She needed to ask all the right questions, keep him interested, tell him all these things that happened to her um to try and form like this really deep connection um he just wasn't aware of what was happening because of his own mental issues yeah couldn't pick up the hints no so the next day uh kyle goes to the mall waiting for his friends to be able to hang out later he figured the mall would be a fun distraction for the day he had his knife strapped to his side sunglasses on he claims Apparently, bright lights hurt his eyes, even inside, so he always had sunglasses. He, he is a vampire. He is a vampire. Yeah. He had a black trench coat on. He had over-the-top baggy jeans that kind of belled out. It had, like, lots of pockets on them. Um, he guess the wallet chain, too. Probably. His backpack was slung over his shoulder. It was just a very emo, alternative kind of look. And he liked this look. He, like, he enjoyed it. He didn't do it because it was, like, fashionable. Or, like, he said he did it because he liked it. He did it before it was cool. Pretty much. (laughs) With pants with that many pockets and a trench coat, why do you need a backpack? Yeah. (sighs) I don't know. I love shorts. Because he was homeless and that was where his stuff was. Oh, gotcha. So, while he was walking around, a security guard comes up to him and, like, asks him about the knife that he had. Um, He said that Kyle had it kind of concealed, which is against the law. And even though Kyle swears it was out in the open, um, 
Kyle ends up getting arrested. Having it out in the open isn't really any better. No. No. He says that he needs weapons on him constantly because he felt like, quote, the others were after him. The others were some rival vampires that he knew... He knew they were near because he could smell them. Oh. Yeah. Um, So these visions, the others, the vampire lifestyle was all a part of who he was. They were all real events to him. They were not just delusions. Well, they are, but not to him. He fully, wholeheartedly believes he enters these worlds. He um, enters a new land like he was walking from one room to another, but suddenly he's in a world with fairies and magic. Um, he said he would ex- <laughs> He said he would experience these things like the fairy world that is called Seely Court often. And that he had no idea what they were. He never saw them in books or movies or anything. He would experience it, but then later he would read about it in a book and be like, hey, I've been there, so it just validate what he yeah. saw. So he'd be like, oh, so that's a real thing. So this really happened to me. Um, I wonder if he heard that in like a fairy tale or something. Just sounds a lot like plagiarism. <laughs> so Kyle had a thing against violence against women. He didn't like it. It angered him. But he did say that if a woman ever attacked him, he would fight back full force. He wouldn't treat them any different. Um, And Clara kind of sensed that in him, and she kind of played into it. She she wanted to play this kind of damsel in distress, this woman in peril for him. She loved to tell people of her abuse. She would tell anybody to try and get sympathy. As I said before, Mike and Katie had heard these stories over and over and over again. So they were having it. (laughs) <laughs> so they were kind of over it. Kyle hadn't heard any of these, so he was enthralled with it. He wanted to, like, he wanted to hear. Mike apparently would just kind of shake his head and think, here we go again, whenever she started talking about anything. Um, and Katie was her best friend, so she still listened, um, but she kind of was over it too. Um, Claire would also tell Katie on occasion that she wished her father was dead. Uh, Claire told Katie everything that happened to her um, in their senior year, when the two finally became close friends, she told her all about the abuse of her father hitting her, pulling her under the pool, no one helping her, sexual abuse from him, sneaking into her room late at night. Katie said later that she had seen Clara naked several times after, like, changing either in the dorm room at JMU or, like, after the gym or whatever, and she never saw anything. She never saw any bruises, cuts, scratches, red marks, nothing. She never saw a single thing. And this is brought up several times like nobody ever saw anything like yeah uh that doesn't mean that it didn't happen but if something did happen there it would be physical yeah Yeah. especially with the abuse that she claimed she had like hitting her and all this other stuff like the way she says it there would have been marks but wait well did she claim that she was a vampire at all no okay never mind i was gonna make it the only the only vampire in this group is kyle okay so the rest are werewolves. Got it. <laughs> Still would heal. Claire wasn't affected by any of this alleged abuse. Alleged. She just felt like she was owed something for having to have gone through it. She felt like she was owed revenge on her father. Um, Kyle said later on, quote, This is coming from someone who will admit to... Look, I am a narcissist. I love myself, and so for me to tell you that Clara had an ego that rivaled mine, that should say something. End quote. So, great pairing. 
Hmm. Um, this underworld RPG game that she created was super intricate. It had characters and roles and plot lines that she had developed through online and in journals, um, which all come into play. That's where they got the movie back. ideas from. <laughs> it was something that Clara, Patrick, Mike, Katie, and like several other people all played in. Um, this and, is actually the original story for Twilight. Yep. <laughs> and in Kyle, she saw a character that she could use in this world. And so in this game, she spent hours at her computer. For her, this was hardly a cross between reality and the underworld. Like, she lived this. She hardly broke character. She ran this narrative for the game, mostly through the instant messaging, and she would save those files on her computer, which ended up coming back to bite her in the butt. Um, even though as a group, they could tell the difference between reality and fantasy, even if Clara didn't want to separate the two, but she could. Kyle, Kyle, Kyle could not. Kyle. Kyle. It, it was all real to him. He said, quote, My own father had said I never knew where the fantasy world ended and the real world began. I, at the time, was obsessed with my own apocalyptic visions, and her talk unified perfectly with that, which made it so much easier for me to fall right into it. It was ideology. For Underworld, Claire took bits from Norse mythology, specifically Ragnarok, a term that depicts a great battle. Um, she also took from a bunch of other stuff to try to make it her own. Um, she felt very important doing all this, being that like center, that like dungeon master, I guess. Yeah. Um, her life was important both in the real world and in underworld, so Kyle kind of became her protector. No one else could protect her the way he could because he you know, carried a sword on him. Um, and a dragon. And a dragon. And a dragon. <laughs> so Kyle had on hand this group of friends that like just fed into his visions and all this other stuff. Um, but on the other hand, he also started dating Brandy, that girl from the Renaissance Fair. She was grounded. She was steady. She was good. Wish she hung out with <coughs> more. Um... As soon as bad for her. Yeah. As soon as Brandy found out that he kind of mostly lived in a tent, she told her mom and they had him move in and like Brandy, live on their couch. No. Brandy, no. Brandy. You're <laughs> so good. Why? What was her mom's name? I don't know. Sandra. 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 Sandra, Sandra and Brandy. <laughs> um by um by mid-October, he had met her. Claire's father a handful of times. Her father was... I about died earlier when you said old guy. Her father in Underworld is referred to as OG, which stands for old guy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I should date him. Is he dead? Oh, he's dead. Never mind. He's dead. He he didn't play the game. It was just Claire wrote him into the story as, like, the main villain. So, let's talk about the blood drinking for a second. So, Kyle had been drinking blood since late 1999. A woman in California introduced him to it when he met her online. It's always in Cali. Have y'all noticed that? (laughs) Or Florida. Or Or Florida. Florida. My my best friend once met this chick online. She was in California. And she convinced him that he was possessed and she had to do an exorcism on him. God. Crazy, crazy chick. Like, Mexican Catholic. I don't know where the fuck that came from. <laughs> yeah. 
California people are crazy. So he got really interested in it. He was interested in how kind of ritualistic it was. He did a bunch of research on it. He found some clubs in the D.C. Baltimore area, which were both, again, less than an hour away from where he lived. That's not weird. Um, he frequented one, um, multiple of them, but he specifically liked one called Club Orpheus, which is in the Baltimore area, which claims to be, quote, one of America's oldest and wildest gothic rock dance clubs. Oh, sounds fun. Um... Also, in his research, he found that there was a specific spot on the neck um, where there wasn't really any veins that you could easily cut or bite into, and it would bleed. So, when you... He said, quote, when you bite down on it or cut into it and drink from while you're fucking, you just need to make sure you don't hit certain veins. The blood okay. drinking was... Yeah, let me use my tongue to push that out the way real quick. <laughs> <laughs> The blood drinking was always a part of sex for him. Um, he only drank blood when he had sex. He really thought he, like, really thought that he was an aspiring vampire. So he like put his effort into it. He would find girls that, um, literally, like, he would find donors that had like doctors' notes saying that their blood was clean because they were into it. Because that's like. So this whole vampire scene, apparently. It must have been a yeah, small community. No, yeah. Um, it's not a small community. It's so this turned into, like, a major part of his life now, so he, like, was super into drinking blood. Well, we're not going to keep shaking you guys. No. Nope. Just... If you're into it, like, whatever. <laughs> like, he was being safe about it. He was making sure their blood was clean, so he wasn't, like, getting consents. AIDS or shit. Yeah. Whatever. It was all consensual. We think it's a little weird, but yeah. it's your thing. You do you. He did say that he hated when these donors would get, like, super dramatic about it and, like, make it out like it was scenes from, like, movies or TV. I mean, if, if you're going to be it, drinking blood, let them have the fun. He Jeez. wanted it to be, like, supernatural and, like, realistic, not be dramatic. Because to him, it was real. So they were, like, making out, like, the, like what you'd see on TV and be like... Oh, no. Edward. He said at one point... <laughs> Stop it, Edward. <laughs> no. He said at one point he was having sex with this woman, she was on top of him, and she, like, went into this whole speech that kind of just turned him off because it was just, like, Oh, I'm sorry, dramatic. but if anybody was monologuing during sex, I'm pretty <laughs> sure you'd get turned off. So, at this point, Clara begins to kind of call Kyle a lot. She would call him every single day. She would tell him new things every day, like new stories about the abuse, just to make him feel more and more sorry for him. She told him stories, some including her father claiming that Clara cursed him during dinner one night. Um, she said that he would make death threats against her, hit her, try to drown her in the pool. And Kyle had apparently asked an older friend of his if it was possible for her father to be like trying to poison her. And his friend said that, yeah, like he's a scientist, like he could get a hold of stuff. But if it's true that the only way for Kyle to handle this was to go to the police. Kyle didn't feel like he could to him to him if he did then his like her father would surely just try to kill her right away so his voices in his head were telling him that he had to handle this himself no cops okay so well one day while Clara and Kyle kind of hung out she straight up like straight up told him quote I want my dad dead (laughs) (laughs) If you hear that, the dog's barking. <laughs> Apparently just... she doesn't like this part of the story. <laughs> no. That's perfect, Tyree. So, Kyle responded with, 
quote, I'm not so sure that's like this big thing. Not sure if I'm able to do that for you, end quote. I thought it was in Saxon. He doesn't just go around killing people. He's not that good of one. He, he... only takes special oh. contracts. Um, so one. Claire, she was not deterred. She was not deterred. She just told him to file it away for later. The seed was now planted, though, in his head. She would try and get Kyle to kill her father, and but she was also trying to get Patrick to do it. So she felt like she had like two two people trying to do it. So it's one two is better than one kind of situation. Yeah. Um, even though she knew she kind of knew that Patrick wasn't gonna do it. Um. So. During this fall semester, Clara's grades kind of began to drop um, because she was super engrossed in this underworld. Um, her father kind of stepped in and tried to ask what was going on. He was concerned for her. Her sibling said that he was a caring father, but Clara, since her father wouldn't let her take a semester off, felt like he wasn't supporting her. Um... She kept bringing up killing her father to Patrick and to Kyle. Um, she told Patrick one night out of the blue, like, just out of nowhere, she just was like, um, it can't be traced back to her. That it had to appear natural. She was very clearly becoming kind of obsessive about it. She kept asking him how and when he would take care of it. Um, so November is coming around. Patrick starts to kind of step away from Clara. He would make excuses to not come and see her, saying he had car troubles was a common one. They mostly were talking only over instant messaging now. And at one point, she brings up hemlock for trying oh. to poison him. Um, later, when he actually like makes it up to see her at one point, because he still is coming up to see her, just not as often. She shows him a book with a chapter entirely on human poisoning. Uh, he started to see kind of how serious she was. It scared him, so he kind of, like, just closed the book and, like, changed the topic. <laughs> yeah. We're going this way now. We're going to talk about this now. He said that when he went home that night, he started to kind of reconsider the relationship. I feel like... Should have done that earlier. I would have in September. November. I feel like if I was him, I wouldn't trust anything she gave me to eat. Like, she could give uh -uh. me, like... A pudding cup, and I would think that she'd be trying yeah. to me. So, again, it was November. Christmas bake, bake. Christmas break was kind of looming That's closer. She did not want to spend that time with her father. She was panicking. Patrick obviously was kind of slipping from her grasp. He was hardly calling her. He kept making excuses, and when he did talk, like, he just sounded different to her. It was around now that Clara kind of laid it all out for Kyle, everything. Like, she had been feeding him this information but now she gave him the proof she put all of her journals that she had out with all the worst passages on display of the death threats the sexual abuse all the things that kyle like said he hated most um he read through her journals flipped through them he tells clara that he will protect her he isn't currently visibly angry he was kind of internalizing it he was quiet, which was something that was apparently very odd for him. He said later that at this time he was thinking of how he could possibly help her. Uh, 
It's not usually a good thing. No. <laughs> After seeing these journals, Kyle apparently started having trouble sleeping. He kept, he kept seeing these visions of Clara getting abused by her father. He started thinking more and more about doing her what thinking. she asked, killing him. But the voices in his head kept telling him that it wasn't a good idea. Listen to those That voices. maybe it was, he should just scare him. Show him that Clara now had somebody to protect her. Um, November 9th, around 3 a.m., we have some instant messaging messages between Clara and Kyle. At first, the conversation was just casual. It was about swords and fighting and stuff relating to the RPG. I have a question. Yes, Cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you for raising your hand. <laughs> <laughs> if he's homeless, how does he have a computer? He's, at this time, staying with his girlfriend, Brandy. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's living with her. So he, plus, he has his phone. He has a phone. But this was oh, this is two thousand one, right? So yeah. Yeah, no. So I mean, he constantly used, he was constantly either at like Brandy's or Mike's. He was at Mike's a lot too. So using let's their computers. But yeah, I probably Brandy's at this point. Um, so this conversation was about swords and fighting and like stuff about the role playing game. She. Clara then voiced uh, her wonder why Kyle wasn't sleeping by saying, quote, I sleep so much myself these days. My friends, what little remain, think I have mono or insomnia. Uh, Kyle responds, mono? yeah, I don't <laughs> mono know. Mono or insomnia? <laughs> it can only be one or the other. So, That's a weird combo. Yeah. Kyle responds, quote, let them think what they want. As long as they do nothing to threaten you, it's okay. For if they do, they will have to answer to me. <coughs> they begin to talk about enemies of Clara's and Underworld, to which Kyle said that he would, quote, track any of them down at any time and gladly exterminate each one and enjoy every moment of it, end quote. Clara replied, quote, these... Those whose cause is solely to hurt me or kill me are killed. Kyle said, trust me, I can see to that. They began to talk about random stuff again, and then out of the nowhere, Clara messaged, thinking and trying to divert the shaking. Kyle asks her why she's shaking. She then says, quote, around this time of night, I start remembering. Kyle then asked her, what are you remembering? She then launched into this whole big thing about how she had been kidnapped by two of her enemies from the underworld a few days for a few days in early September that she had been rescued just before they killed her or would have started raping her that she had been starved and emotionally fucked up from being tortured twice um that even though they didn't rape her they did sexually touch her though by using their hands which is how she claims to have been abused by her father Kyle then tells her that if there was anything he could do, he would without question. Um, they talk some more, but then Claire tells him, quote, Patrick wants to kill him. There's no response from Kyle. So then this goes on, quote, if you do, all I ask that it not trace to me, end quote. Kyle then says, let's put it this way. I don't know if anything he ever did to you. I just know my own issues with him. At this point, they talked some more. Clara actually gave him her father's address in case he ever needed it, even though he had been to the house before, but just in case he didn't remember. Um, Kyle messaged her saying, if I was to kill him, would you be mad at me? She said, no, just don't do it now. Kyle says, not now. My mind is a bit too cloudy for that at the moment. Maybe in a month. 
Clara, we'll talk about it down here. Take a long walk and talk. Very well, Kyle responds. Um, so they talk more. They make plans to see each other later that day, which they do end up seeing each other later that day. They log off. And, um, it just seems kind of stupid of her because she says, I don't want this to be traced back to me. But then she but saves then all her instant messages. Yeah, exactly. she's messaging, hey, when are you going to kill my dad? Are you going to do it now? We should do it now. <laughs> It's totally the IQ of somebody with 196. Yeah. Yep. Something she would, something somebody like that would do. Allegedly. 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 They didn't so. understand the internet back then. <laughs> I still don't understand the internet. Nope. <laughs> Kyer. 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 Kyle later <laughs> goes on to say that he thinks that maybe she did have some sort of abuse but that she was magnifying it like maybe her father slapped her once but then she turned it into this huge thing where like he threatened her life yeah um it sounds a lot more possible yeah at this point claire was now calling calling kyle every single day she would call him crying she would steer whatever they talked about to her father kyle's medications had also worn off completely out of his system a doctor described him as being, quote, hypomanic, which means that he could stay awake for days without the use of drugs. Damn. Um, he had been on several medications from his hospitalizations. Like, he had been on a bunch of different ones, including lithium, clonidine, clon- oh God, clonidine risperidone, trazodone, tegretol, neurontin, depec. Depakut, Wobotrin, Ritalin, Adderall, Vistral, Prozac, Paxil, Zipraxa, and Seroquel. Just to name a few. A few. <laughs> Just a little bit. So, the first one, lithium? Yeah. All it, right. it, it's an actual medication that helps with bipolar disorder. I looked up all of these. Yeah. <laughs> Most of them have something to do with like either bipolar disorder, depression, anxiety. Um, Dragons. Dragons. <laughs> so it's. It's just before Thanksgiving. Clara had asked Kyle to stay in his tent on her family's property because she was scared to be home with her father. She needed him there to protect her. He agreed, but he actually ended up spending Thanksgiving with his girlfriend Brandy's family. I was about to say, where is she all this? Because I yeah. would not approve of this. <laughs> Um, he said that it was actually a really nice and enjoyable day. It was normal, almost. Oh, I hope so, because Brandy is the only normal person exactly. in the story. Bless her heart. So, December 1st, Kyle was at his girlfriend's. Um, he was starting to feel overwhelmed. Claire was now calling him three to five times a day oh, at wow. all hours of the day. Like, um, she just kept badgering him when he would kill her father. Kyle later said that Clara was, quote, distraught, stressed out, and fucking scared, end quote. Doesn't sound like my problem. (laughs) (laughs) December 2nd, Clara called Kyle around 3 a.m. She said that her father and her had just had a huge fight. She was frantic as she told him, quote, he said, Kyle, you're not going to believe this, but he said that when when we went to the Virgin Islands for Christmas, he was going to make sure that I don't come back. And there was a trip planned for the family to go to the Virgin Islands. Her father was planning on taking her and her siblings to have family time to kind of reconnect. Um, With the dead. (laughs) (laughs) 
So Kyle just told her, like, just don't go. Tell him that you're gonna gonna go, but then just don't show up at the airport. Clara pleaded with him, quote, you have to protect me. Kyle, listen to me. You have to protect me. He's going to kill me. To which Kyle responded, look, calm down, chill. Everything is going to be fine. I will protect you. No need to worry. Please don't worry. It was at this point that Kyle realized that just scaring her father was not going to work. But he hadn't even scared the father yet. How would he know if he... Well, that was his whole plan. Was I'll just scare him, but like she's freaking the fuck out. So now sure, he's like, a knife eh. yep. not a knife, fucking sword. <laughs> <laughs> so Friday, December seventh, an envelope arrives at Mike's house. It had been overnighted. It had Kyle's name on it, and the handwriting was clearly Clara's. Inside was a check for sixty dollars and a piece of paper that read, "Quote: What's needed and expected." There's not much else known about what was on this note. 60 bucks. 60 bucks. Um, uh, what's needed and expected is all Kyle can remember the note saying. He said the money was so that he could open a bank account because he didn't have one. Um, but why would it have to be overnighted? Um, that this was not payment for killing her father. That this was just, she was helping him open a bank account. That's a little cheap for <laughs> So, Mike... Katie and Kyle, um, they do end up going to the bank that day to deposit the money. They're seen on surveillance videos. Um, and he has, like, those, like, Kyle has those, like, little tiny, like, black sunglasses on. Like, the, like, kind of. Um, and he's got, like, he's got kind of, like, long, dark hair, and he has it slicked back, and he's got his trench coat, so he just... He's got that look. And he's and he's super skinny. He does. He super skinny, so he's got like he's got great cheekbones. Like he like you can really see he fit the bill of a vampire goth kid. Um so they end up the three of them, they end up going to a friend's house that night. They ate pizza, decorated a Christmas tree. Apparently the whole night Kyle was kind of amped up and on edge. The friend that they were hanging out with asked if they wanted to hang out again the next day. They agree. They leave. They go to Mike's house. Um, December 8th, the next morning, they go to the mall to meet the friend. Um, Kyle has his backpack on his shoulder. He had his sword on his side, a small knife on his hip. Mike asked why he was bringing his sword. Kyle said that he was going to bring it to the mall to get it sharpened because there was a place in the mall that did that. And there was. This is an actual, like, thing. Um, Kyle actually, like, planned, like, this is the thing that he planned on doing. He even went up to the security guard at the mall to make sure it was okay for him to bring his sword into the mall. Um, that this was all he was doing. The guard thanked him for, like, bringing it to their attention. It was like, it's fine, go ahead. So, he goes, he, um, tells the friends, hey, I'll meet you at the food court while I go do this. Katie then said that later, Kyle, quote, Kyle came storming past us looking very angry and was still carrying his sword. Apparently, they wouldn't sharpen it because it was too long. So, they walked around for a bit before Kyle said that he wanted to leave. He wanted Mike to take him up to Mount Gilead, which is an area that is a five-minute walk from Claire's house. Katie asked on the drive up there what he had to do in that area, and he said he had, quote, a job. And Mike said that he thought it was just something to do with the role-playing game. It was, like, no big deal. It was raining. The, wo- the roads were muddy. Um, 
they get to where Kyle wants dropped off around 6, 10, 6, 30 p.m. Um, earlier that day, Clara, around 4.50 p.m., called Brandy, Kyle's girlfriend. She never called her before. The only time she ever called her was to talk to Kyle. So this was the first time she specifically called Brandy to talk to Brandy. And they talked from 4.50 until 6.30. And Clara told her just anything and everything about her life. She just was on the phone. Um, She told her all about her life, all about her father, all about the things he did to her. She mentioned that she would get a huge inheritance if her father died. Um, Brandy said that she was confused, considering they never ever talked before, and she was now telling her her life story. I'm surprised she stayed on the phone with her for so long. I am too, but she's... Well, honestly, if someone just started This is my boyfriend's friend, like, I guess. Like, just to say, hey, you know... No. I, I could I could imagine like she had called looking for Kyle. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> looking for Kyle. And ended up getting Brandy and then just But no no, blab. she called and was oh. like, I wanna speak to Brandy. Oh, just sought her out to blab. Yeah. It's it later it's but I guess not. It's later presumed that she did this as like an alibi. So Back to Kyle. He's left at the car. He has his sword and his knife on him. He's in black boots, his trench coat, jeans, and a blue t-shirt. And a cat mask. And a cat mask. <laughs> uh, he was not in a cat mask. Um, Kyle tells Mike, quote, you guys wait here for me. It won't take long. I'll be back. Don't fucking leave. You got it? They agree. And as Kyle walked, walked away, Mike decided that he would turn the car around. They feigned innocence through this whole thing. Like, they were like, yeah, they talked about it, but we thought it was just an RPG thing. But, like, why would you feel the need to turn the car? Like, I don't know. Um, Katie later said that she saw Kyle pull the sword out as he was walking, but Kyle denies this. For one, it's a five-minute walk to the house, so, like, why pull the sword out now? Like, in case he meets the <laughs> others on his way? Like, um, yeah. and two, like, how would Robert let him into the house if he had a sword out? Like... You can't just go in like guns ablazing, all well, swords ablazing. So, <laughs> the accounts um, coming up from Kyle, like what happens next, is all from Kyle. So take it for what it is. There's parts of it that I don't believe, but this is what he says happened. Doctor Schwartz was in the kitchen making dinner. When he hears a knock on the door, this part's true because food was found later on the stove, burnt up. Robert opens his door, sees Kyle there standing there in all black, looking angry. He recognized him because he had met Kyle several times before. He had even been there Thanksgiving weekend, helping out with the horses. Um, Kyle asks him if Claire was home, but her father tells him that, no, she's up at college. She's at JMU. So Kyle asked, do you have her phone number so I can call her? Robert, Robert replied, sure, come in and I'll get it for you. They walked towards the computer area that was just inside the dining area. Kyle said that in this moment walking in, it felt right. He said that this was what Clara wanted. She wanted him to confront her father. They had made these plans days before. Kyle then asks if he can use the bathroom. Robert points him to it and when... Kyle comes back. Robert is seated at the desk writing down 
something that is presumed to be Clara's phone number. When Kyle asked him, quote, so how have you and Clara been getting along? Robert stops writing, looks straight up, took a deep breath, turned his head slightly, but not quite looking at Kyle and said, what business is that of yours? Kyle responds angrily, because I'm her friend and I care about her. At this, Robert stands up, turns to face Kyle, apparently had a slight grin and with a sarcastic tone asks, and? Kyle snapped, his leg was bouncing, he was full of adrenaline, he was starting to sweat. He said, I know your plans, I know you've been hurting her and you're not going to get away with, this, with shit like that. Robert didn't say anything, he just turned away, which angered Kyle worse than if he had just said something or insulted him. Kyle spoke again, angrily, said, you will not get away with it. Um, Kyle stepped closer. He was not quite behind him. He was slightly to the left, mm -hmm. and they were near the kitchen. Kyle shouted, I won't let you hurt her. It was here when Robert turned and, like, backhanded Kyle, making contact just above his left eye. He apparently had a ring that cut Kyle, which left a scar that he still has to this day. While Robert was apparently grinning and laughing now, and Kyle said that that grin from Robert, he took as a form of a confession, like he was saying, yeah, I did those things, maybe I'm going to kill her, but um, what the hell is some kid going to do about it? Kyle later said that if Robert had not hit him, that he would have let him live. He had just planning to confront him, but there's no, like... But because he hit me, you gotta die. Kyle then, in one sweeping motion, took his sword out, held it out, brandishing it, and then Robert went after him. The two began to struggle and wrestle. Kyle then slashes his sword at him and slashed the back of his neck. Kyle said that the cut was meant to incapacitate him, but that he had been holding his sword wrong, so it didn't even really draw blood. Um, then Robert somehow like got behind him and had a hand around Kyle's neck, and the other was gripping the sword blade. And when Kyle stepped away, the sword sliced Robert's hand, leaving a deep, bloody gash. Oh, God. Um, Kyle later tells police, quote, Somewhere in the back of my mind, someone laughed at a fool who would grab an attacker's blade. Kyle was now in front of Robert with his back to him. So Kyle was standing in front of him, back to Robert. Kyle had his sword gripped like he was going to stab himself in the stomach, but then in one sweeping motion, he stabbed backwards with Towards a blow. Yeah, hitting Robert. Um, Kyle wasn't sure where because obviously he wasn't facing him. He just, he knows he made contact. Just fucking samurai slash uh, backwards. Kyle tells police again he was willing to let him live. He even told Robert at this point, quote, back off, motherfucker. Let me pass and I'll be gone. Robert didn't back away or respond. Instead, they just kind of circled each other. Kyle slashed at him again, barely grazing the back of his neck again, which now made an X. Um, Kyle said that this was unintentional, that this wasn't some sort of vampiric ritual like others try to say that it was, because it made a literal X on his neck. And there's a photo of it. And he says that it didn't really do anything to him, but like, I've seen the photos and it's, it's it, a deep it's, I wouldn't say it's too deep, but like, it's pretty it's, nice. it's, it's obvious. Yeah. And the, the book that I got most of my information from, uh, he compared the size of it 
to the size of a cell phone. Yay, America. That, like, I don't know, I don't know how big it was. He just, flip like, phone, yeah. Wasn't no, like, it covered, like, Nokia. the photo, it was literally, like, from corner to corner. Oh, a cell phone. Like, That's, a cell phone, yeah. like, modern. Because oh, <laughs> this modern. book was, like, came out in, like, 2015, 2014. Okay. Uh, so I'm assuming it was, like, a good six inches in length, probably. Yeah, it was, it was a good size. Um, so That's Kyle goes on. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> Kyle goes on to say that now his goal was to inflict as much pain as possible, and he just started slashing at him. He said. So torture. Yeah, he said, quote, I know anatomy. I knew that stabbing him through the abdomen when I did at one point would pierce his liver and it would hurt him. I'm not trying to kill him. You have to understand. I thought then, my thought then was, this guy knows that I know that he's trying to kill Clara and he's going to try and kill me. As strange as that sound, it sounds, this is the only thought in my head at this time, end quote. Apparently, Robert was laughing as they circled each other again. Kyle was the only one armed. Robert only had his fists. They broke away. Robert shoved Kyle. He then said, step aside. I'm out of here. I don't want to kill you. I will leave. Robert just smiled, not speaking, which aggravated Kyle more. Kyle slashed Robert twice in his stomach. The Then Robert advanced on him. The two wrestled. Kyle dropped his sword. So he like dove his elbow into Robert's face. They began to struggle. Kyle said that he, um, at some point here in the struggle, got some of Robert's blood in his mouth. He tells police, quote, this drove me into a frenzy and I became incoherent. I see blood and I go berserk. Because, you know, vampire. Kyle then starts to thrust and stab. He said, quote, I am not even caring. I am just stabbing and stabbing and stabbing. Yeah, I don't know if I believe anything Kyle's saying. Because, like, the way that you're describing this... Sounds like it'd be from, like, an anime I'd watch. Yeah. Like, this sounds like a fight scene yeah. from the show. The friends he gave it away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he lost control, tasted blood in his mouth. He then blacked out at this point in a violent rage. When he came to several moments, moments later, he was withdrawing his sword from Robert's back. Robert was laying face down on the floor. <sighs> Kyle said when he came to, he, quote, could feel the blade tip nick the wooden floor below him. I remember feeling the impact of the blade hitting the floor. This means he pierced through Robert completely. In one side, out the other. Yeah. Into the floor. If it, that sword but he still a, didn't want to kill him though, right? Yeah, if, yeah, no. If that sword was as sharp as they described it, yeah. like, katanas go through flesh like he, They're meant to. Yeah. He said he then heard something sizzling. He smelled blood. Some of it had gotten on the on stove which was still on from him cooking dinner, and the blood was now cooking and burning. Kyle claims he only stabbed him several times, and even that is an understatement. The medical examiner later reports 31 total stab wounds on Robert's torso. Several of which went entirely through him in one side, out the other. Some of them were meticulous and in some sort of a pattern, Kyle said he didn't do any pattern consciously. Um, The X on the back of the neck was very visible, as I said, more than just a slight grace. Um, A bunch of the stab wounds were in a sequence of lines, like they were in a row. Mm -hmm. Like he was trying to find something at that point. 
three wounds on the front of his midsection formed a triangle. One line was just below the belly button, one near the right armpit and the other near his left armpit. Both hands had self-defense wounds. In the left hand was sliced open from grabbing onto the sword. His face had several liberations and lacerations, and he had two superficial wounds on his left earlobe. The, the fingers one really gets me because I've had my fingers sliced similarly. It was his palm. Like, or palm. But like that just getting sliced across the hand, like it, that hurts. That really Kyle hurts. stabbed this man viciously yeah. to death with his 27-inch ninja sword. Oof. Robert was laying on his stomach in a pool of his own blood. He was in the kitchen. His clothes were soaked with blood. The sword holes in his clothes were clearly visible. The bottoms of his socks were also blood-soaked, so at some point he was standing in his own blood. God. Um, Claire had told Kyle and wrote in her journals that she wanted her father to experience a lot of pain, and he obviously did. Kyle came out of that blackout, smelling the blood. He saw furniture turned over, saw that there was an absolute mess he stepped over the body, washed his sword off in the sink, turned off all the lights in the house except for the living room, sheathed his sword, and left. Um, did as he I, have I don't know. I'm assuming he did. I'm assuming he didn't because they found bird food. Well, so. he was there for over an hour. Oh, okay, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was raining and it was muddy, so Mike's car... Stuck in the mud now. Mike and Katie had tried everything they could while Kyle was in the house to get the car out, but it just wouldn't budge. And it was now 7.30. Kyle had been gone a little over an hour. Kyle came up to them. And he said it was gonna, only going to take him 10 minutes? Or a few minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, excuse me. Um, Mike told Kyle, go back down to the house and ask Robert if he could help get them out of the mud. Yeah, about that. <laughs> <laughs> that they needed a tow. Kyle told him, told him and Katie very seriously twice, nobody is home. Katie said that in this moment she knew that he had done something. Kyle then tossed the sword in the back seat, told Mike to get in and rev the engine as he pushed. Katie said that Kyle looked shaken up and aggravated. The mud at this point was now up to the well wheels. I mean, the wheel wells. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty deep. deep. Yeah. yeah. Kyle removed his trench coat, threw it in the back seat. Now he's getting serious. <laughs> Katie said that she swears she saw some sort of a reddish smear on it, but Kyle disputes the saying, I had a black oil cloth coat on, the kind you might see in cowboy movies. It was dark out, it was raining. There's no way in hell that she saw blood on it, but I mean, you slashed Amanda, so I'm sure there was some. Yeah. They worked on the car for about 90 minutes, but it just wouldn't budge, so Kyle said, fuck this, went to a neighbor's house to call for a tow. He was covered in mud. He was polite to these neighbors. They even offered him some sage tea that he accepted. He was calm, cool, collected while he talked to these people. He said that he was kind of on an autopilot. He returned to the car 20 minutes later, told Mike that it would cost about a, at least $100 for, for the tow. They put the sword in the trunk so that the tow guy wouldn't get scared. They get towed to an ATM so that uh, they could pay the tow guy. 
And when the guy asked what they were doing, Katie said, quote, Oh, well, um, we were visiting friends, see if one of our friends Clara was home, and we, um, we sent Kyle to the door because we didn't want to upset her dad. And when Kyle came back and said no one was home, we, we turned around and got stuck, end quote. Um, Mike pays the tow guy. Katie asked him what happened. Kyle says, quote, Robert was down on his knees when he asked me, what did I ever do to you? Then I ran him through. Kyle said later he doesn't remember him ever saying this or like being on his knees. It was just something that he told Katie. I kind of believe that more than what he said earlier. Yeah. Mike then drives them to the friend's house from earlier where they kind of crash at his house. Sunday, December 9th, Clara had been calling, trying to get details. Kyle tells her, quote, your father is dead. I'm sorry, I killed him. She just responded, okay, before they hung up. Um, at this point now, they all knew that Kyle killed Robert. Clara, Kyle, Katie, Mike, they all knew it. They just, they all just didn't know the details. They discussed their story about what they would tell the police. Mm-hmm. Quote, we went up to Claire's to get some notebooks for her and we got stuck in the mud um, that they never even made it to the house that Kyle then went to ask for help and he knocked for a while but no one answered. After that phone call with Clara, Claire and Katie then were talking and were now planning on Christmas. They were planning a Christmas party and even picked out a day for them to exchange gifts. Clara was clearly not mourning no. the death of her father. No. December 10th, Robert does not show up for work. So a coworker calls one of Robert's neighbors and asks him to go check on him. The neighbor agrees. He gets to the house. He sees that there are some construction workers working on the driveway, one of which was also a neighbor in the area. So he asks if he would come check on Robert with him. They knock on the door real hard. Um, They could tell that the door was unlocked, but they didn't want to go in yet. They walk around the house, decide to go through the back door. The neighbor enters while the construction guy stayed outside. The neighbor enters slowly, but he right away sees Robert laying in a pool of his own blood. Um, they could tell that there was no forced entry. He yells out to the guy outside that Robert's dead, so they go call 911. They ask if he had a pulse, but he was cold and stiff by now. Robert's sister said later that she can't remember a single time that he was even remotely mean to her. Um, he was an all-around family man. He was nationally renowned for his work in biometrics and DNA research. The investigators began to ask neighbors if they had heard or seen anything. The neighbor that Kyle had asked to call a tow truck mentions that interaction. Um, the police then called the tow company, and within hours, they had Mike on camera at the bank to getting money out. Um, they went to notify Clara of her father's death. She answered the door looking like she had been crying. She said something, closed the door, and returned with her driver's license. She was shaking. The officer told her we don't need to see your license, that they were they wanted to speak to her. They had her sit down. Did you think it was a traffic stop? I don't, I don't know. In your own house? Um, they told her that her father had died. She asked how. And to which he just said that his body had been found earlier that day. She never cried or expressed really any emotions of this. While they were there? While they were there. 
the officer knew from her response that she knew before they even told her. Clara had been told by someone from the scene. Um, his instincts were kicking in. Clara went um, with him to tell her sister, Michelle, who also was a student at JMU. Mm-hmm. When they told her, her sister broke down and was screaming. They had very different responses. Oh, yeah. The investigator. One of them was a sociopath. Yeah. (laughs) The investigator then asks Claire about her friends. She mentions some boy. Then she brought up Mike and Katie, and then ultimately Kyle. The officer was clearly interested in Kyle, and she told him about his previous arrest from the mall, um, and that she had last talked to Kyle that morning. It was because his first name. Kyle. Kyle. Tuesday, December eleventh. Katie and Mike are arrested. Patrick goes to visit Clara, who's now staying with her grandparents in Maryland. He asked her why she did this, why she got Katie involved, because they were all friends, and Katie was, like, this young, innocent... I don't know. And all Clara said was, I didn't mean to. Wait, isn't Katie the one that has sex in, like, a room? Yes. Okay. After that, Patrick then went to the police to tell them what he knew. Clara tried to throw everyone under the bus when they interviewed her. She claimed to be just this innocent victim who went through a lot of trauma, that she didn't know what anybody was planning, that she didn't think Kyle was serious when he told her that he was going to kill her father, that it was just part of their role-playing game. I was kidding, so I thought he was kidding. (laughs) December 12th, Kyle was arrested at his girlfriend's house. Clara was later arrested in February of 2002. Um, Clara was the first person to go on trial in October of 2002. The prosecutors made her out to be this manipulator. They made an argument of, quote, Clara Schwartz wanted her father dead. She had hated her father for a long time. And after she failed to get Patrick to kill him, she got desperate. The defense said that the whole thing was just part of the role-playing game that they were in. No one was actually supposed to die in reality that Kyle took it too seriously. Patrick, however, testified against her, saying that she talked about it a lot, even when they were just hanging out and not even talking RPG. Like, she just kept mentioning the money that she would get if he died. She said that she would get about $400,000. But that was if her father didn't cut her (coughs) off with the will. That she wanted him to do it, and when he wouldn't, she got desperate and finally found Kyle, a mentally unstable person. Um, October 16th, Clara is convicted of first-degree murder. February 10th, 2003, she is sentenced to 48 years in prison. She is currently in Flovana Correctional Center for Women here in Virginia. She has a very tentative release date of November 2nd, 2043. She has appealed multiple times, but they never went through. Kyle was also sentenced, but he got life in prison without the possibility of parole. (laughs) Parole. He is at River North Correction Center, also here in Virginia. Mike was sentenced to 18 years, and Katie got just one year for conspiracy. Katie is obviously out now and i believe mike is out too i couldn't find him in the system um i think i found his facebook page 
Yes. <laughs> um, My wife's a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> it started, that Facebook profile started up sometime in 2017, but the last thing posted was sometime in 2019. This person, I don't know if it was him or not, but like it kind of looked like it, and a lot of the posts were very like, woe is me, I've had a troubled life kind of posts. Um you look into it, into it. I did. <laughs> Bro, I'm not kidding. She dives into this shit. Um, but I looked up Mike's name, and he's not in jail in Virginia, so he's out. Um, I just don't know if allegedly. that specific... Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't know if that post was him or not. Like, that profile was him or not. So, that's the story. It's a fucking wild ride. I told you. I told you it was a wild one. Um, so thank you for listening. Follow us on Instagram at Murder Library Podcast and on Facebook at True Crime Library. Also, please share the podcast to get us out there. Um, the only way to like really get us around is if you share us. Yeah. Um, thank Helps you guys. Yeah. <laughs> thank y'all for joining us. Thank y'all you know, for always a pleasure being mm-hmm. here. For me to tell you a story. It's yeah. more fun with more people. <laughs> is, that, uh, is that person still... Is she at the Women's Correction Center up in Virginia? Sylvana, yeah. I think I know a security guard from there. Oh. <laughs> well, she's there. Yeah. Mm, she... <laughs> she is well, a prisoner there. Well, now you have some questions for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I better not. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. So, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. 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 <laughs>